Hello and welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside numbers game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thank you for being here today. I know you have a lot of choices. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and now threads, all at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. If you can, please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or a review wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you've done that, thank you so much. Maybe you could share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds on your end can help me get better and help other Cub fans find the show. You can now support the Cubs PS Plus podcast by going to my page, cubspsplus.patreon.com. There are four support tiers that come with added perks, such as access to a private discussion group, access to bonus episodes, the ability to submit questions to interview guests, and more. Your support will help me keep this podcast ad-free. Welcome into episode 44, appropriately and sadly, the Anthony Rizzo episode of this podcast, as the Cubs open the last series before the break in the Bronx tonight against Rizzo and the Yankees. It seems the Cubs have just as many unanswered questions as they did when the season started, and we're almost to the break. This week I talk about how the Cubs are competing, what still matters in the 20 games left before the trade deadline, and several options the Cubs will have as the trade deadline looms. Where does next start? Are you ready? I'm ready. Here. We. Go. As I'm recording this episode, it's Friday, July 7th, and the Cubs are going to open the series in New York tonight against the Yankees. And I'm two days away from the one-year anniversary of this podcast. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. This has been a great outlet for me. I've been a Cubs fan my entire life, going back to when I was probably seven or eight years old, around the time Ryan Sandberg started his career. I've watched a lot of really, really bad Cubs baseball. I've watched some really good teams. And there have been a lot of disappointments, but I've never had an outlet quite like this to be able to get my thoughts out and really give me a reason to kind of reinvest in the game in a different way. As a kid, I played, was not a great player, played through high school. Um, I coach a lot of youth baseball now, and I really love the game, and this has helped me connect to it in a different sort of way than I ever have before. And, you know, this recent Cubs performance is kind of bringing my first year of being a Cubs podcaster full circle. You know, my first episode last year, which published on July 9th, was titled, Who is Trade Bait? And I talked through the trade deadline. Of course, at that point, we were convinced Wilson Contreras was going to get traded, probably Ian Happ too, and then a number of guys out of the bullpen. And, and some of those trades did come to fruition, and, and the Cubs got some good returns. But it never quite goes the way you think it will. You know, Last year, I also talked about, in episode six, dreams, dads, and raising the floor. We talked about raising the floor. And the Cubs have continued to raise the floor on this team, but raising the floor only gets you so far. Raising the floor is probably the difference in where the Cubs are right now and their ability to scrap and fight and hang in games and avoid the 10, 11, 12 game losing streak that the Cubs have had the last couple seasons, but it doesn't get you to first place either. And then, you know, with the Cubs going to the to New York, um, you know, last fall I had did an episode as soon as the season was over called, it was episode 11, Ghosts and Goats of Baseball Past. And I talked about the 1932 and 1938 World Series against the Yankees. So here we are kind of coming full circle. The Cubs are competing, but after a week in Milwaukee with a four-game series, I mean, everything was on the table. The Cubs had a big lead in game one, completely blew it. They were up 6 nothing, wound up losing 8-6. Um, they had a lead in game two, 
and lost it, but then came back to win in extra innings. They won game three. Again, in comeback fashion, they got three runs against closer Devin Williams in the ninth it was and held on to that one. And then they had a chance yesterday. They you know, got ahead early, fell behind. I will say I don't like to blame umpires, but the umpiring in the series was just atrocious. I mean, the everything from the runner interference call they didn't they didn't call to just horrendous strike zones and not even necessarily just biased against the Cubs. I mean, just just that's just a bad umpiring crew. Eric Backus was awful, um, and he just set the tone for the series. Yesterday there was a strike three call or should have been strike three call in Victor Caratini that would have ended the inning before Christian Yelich ever came up to hit that three run home run. Now it's not just the umpire's fault. Marcus Stroman had to make that pitch and and Yelich hit it. But oh, it's just it's it's infuriating. But you know, looking back on a year of Cubs podcasting, um, it's really been a lot of fun. I want to thank you guys for your time, whether you this is your first episode or whether you've been with me since the beginning. It's just been so much fun to talk about this team. Even as bad as they've been, there are bright spots. There are things to look forward to. I've had some really enjoyable interview guests. Um, Greg Huss was my first two-time guest on the show. I've had Ben Lindbergh from The Ringer and the Effectively Wild podcast on to talk about player development. I had Infield Fly Girl on to talk about international baseball as we went to the um, as we went to the International Baseball Classic. I've had a couple of representatives of the Cubs on here. I've had a strength and conditioning coach at Myrtle beach, Mark Weissman on to talk about strength and conditioning. I have had mental skills coach, David De Silva on. And most recently I had voice of the Iowa Cubs, Alex Cohen on the show to talk about some of the guys riding the Des Moines to Iowa shuttle. Um, it's really been a lot of fun. I've tried to give a unique look at things, Cubs baseball. So with that, let's get back to it. So, the Cubs are competing. The one thing I did like about the Milwaukee series is the Cubs kept coming back and coming back and coming back. Even the last game, they fell behind um, after the Yelich home run, battled back. Jan Gomes hits a huge two-run homer to tie the game in the eighth. Unfortunately, the Cubs then gave it back in the bottom of the eighth. And what we're seeing is this team just continues to not be good enough. There are holes um, around the roster. We've talked about it all along. The Cubs got off to a quick start, had a huge long slump, and they've they've missed a lot of opportunities. You know, it's easy to look back and see the trip to Washington, Miami is a huge lost opportunity. They got swept in Miami, lost three out of four to the Nationals. And I know Miami's better than they've been, and the Cubs did win a series against them coming back. But there were games on there that the Cubs should have won. Cubs have had a lot of winnable games they've given away. And now as the Cubs go into a very key stretch with about 20 games to go before the trade deadline, the Cubs have talked about, you know, wanting to wait and see who we are before the deadline. Well, we're almost there. And I don't know that they have to be sellers. I'm going to talk a lot about that later in this episode. But everybody really hoped that the Cubs would be kind of back in the race by now. The Cubs would be closer to 500. The Cubs would be closer to first place. But they have timed it. Even when they got hot, they have timed this out now to a point where finally one team in the division looks like they actually want to win something. And the Cincinnati Reds have been on a bit of a tear. I think they're 21-6 and six in their last 27 games. And that's created some separation. They've pulled ahead, a few games ahead of Milwaukee. They've put the Cubs eight games back. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I tweeted this week, 
if you would have told me in March that the Cubs would have roughly the same record as the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres and they'd be five and a half games ahead of the Cardinals, which is where they were yesterday, I would have pictured a very different season than what we're seeing right now. I mean, this is... I would have assumed, hey, the Cubs are going to be up in the division. Maybe they're battling with Milwaukee, but they're going to be up at the top. They're probably eight to ten games over 500. But it's been a weird baseball season. And this, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch the series in New York. As, as the Cubs go in, I don't think anybody's particularly optimistic. The Cubs have Jamison Tyone going tonight against his old team in the Bronx. And the Cubs basically lose when Tyone starts. Tomorrow, the Cubs have Garrett Cole, or the Yankees have Garrett Cole going on the mound. He's going to be a very tough pitcher to beat. And then the Cubs really don't seem to win on Sundays. So when you factor those things in and then put it in a wrapper where the Cubs have never won a game in the Bronx, they've never won a Yankee Stadium outside of one exhibition game, I think, in 2005 when the new park opened. You know, (laughs) there's not a whole lot to be optimistic about. But baseball is weird, so who knows? Maybe this will be one of those things where there are so many negatives that the script flips. I don't know. The Yankees aren't playing super great baseball either, but they are a better team than the Cubs at this point. But the Cubs are also going in a little hobbled. You know, in the Milwaukee series, they lost Nick Madrigal. Um, he had collided, run into the wall, chasing a foul pop, and then an inning later was out of the game, and it's a strained hamstring, and he's had a run of lower leg injuries. And there's, they put him on the injured list and reactivated um, Patrick Wisdom. But then Dansby Swanson goes out on Wednesday, digging through first base. He's stride out and hit the base hard with his heel, and now he has a heel contusion. And he's had that once before in his career when he was in Atlanta, and he missed a month. Now, doesn't mean that these two injuries are the same. We haven't heard a lot of updates about Swanson. Um, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to guess that he's going to be out for any particular amount of time. But the reality is he didn't play yesterday. He's not in the starting lineup today. It doesn't appear, at least as of when I started this recording, that the Cubs have made any moves. So it doesn't look like he's going to the injured list at, the, at this point. So the Cubs are going to New York, basically down two middle infielders, which is not great. Um, they've had enough of a hole at third base. They've had a hole at first base. Now you switch Nico Horner over to shortstop, which is fine because he showed he could handle the position last year. And then you've got Nick Madrigal, who can't play second base, which would be kind of the natural fill-in spot. So what the Cubs are doing is they're putting Morrell at second base, and they're playing Patrick Wisdom at third base. And so they're kind of locked into this at this point. And the infield tonight is going to be interesting. they got Trey Mancini at first base, Patrick Wisdom at third, and then Morrell and Horner. And it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um the Cubs have had lots of issues at first base. Obviously, they came into the season with Eric Hosmer and, and Trey Mancini, and Eric Hosmer never really got it going, although in retrospect, I mean, he was probably their best first baseman this year, the way things looked from where I sit today. And Trey Mancini has had his big issues. He's not been good defensively. Um, he seems to be aging fast. He's not really athletic in any way, shape, or form, although I'll give him credit here to Good pinch hit about yesterday. So hopefully he can get his back going. Um, the Cubs just don't have a lot of options right now. And if, if somebody else gets hurt, and it scared me yesterday when Christopher Morrell hit a double and came up kind of grabbing his neck. Like if he goes out too, what do they do? I mean, so right now, Nico Horner, Morrell, Wisdom basically all have to play. 
Jared Young, you know, if Wisdom were to get hurt, might have to go play third base. I don't know. It's it's, it's just a mess. So as we look at this series, what do the Cubs need to do? There are 20 games left. They're eight games out of first place, and they're six games under 500. One thing I seem to hear consistently is that the Cubs are every series the Cubs go into is a must-win series, or every game the Cubs have seems to be a must-win game. And to some extent, yeah, I guess. Um, to another extent, you know, or I guess on the other hand, this would be about the Cubs' 32nd must-win game, and they've maybe won half of them. The reality is the division race is not over, but it does not look very good right now. Um, Cincinnati's playing great baseball. They're not going to stay this hot forever. Um, I say it every week. I'll continue to say it probably every week. You're never as good as you are on your hottest stretch. You're never as bad as you are on your coldest stretch. And right now, Cincinnati is playing absolutely fantastic baseball. They have a great core of young hitters that are producing a ton of offense. I think at some point, now I think they're actually good players. So, you know, it's not like the league is going to get a book on them and they're all just going to go to crap. But the league is going to get a bit, bit of a book on them. Um, that's just how baseball works. You come up, you succeed. Some pitchers find some holes in your swing. That maybe not Ellie Dela Cruz. I mean, he seems like absolutely the real deal. But that team's going to cool off at some point. I do have serious doubts about their pitching in terms of that holding up long term. But you know, Milwaukee's still there. What we saw this week, like Milwaukee is not an appreciably better team than the Cubs are. The Cubs, with a little bit better play in a couple spots, frankly, could have swept that series. On the flip side, they, they could have gotten swept too. Like every game was back and forth. Every game was close. I remember when Milwaukee first came in to the National League and set up there, and I was like, that's not going to be a rivalry. It's the stupid Brewers. But that has absolutely turned into a huge rivalry, and in some ways I almost hate them sometimes more than I hate the Cardinals. That's probably not really true, but it is pretty close. So what's it going to take for the Cubs to get back into this? They've basically got 20 games, and then they have a ton of options. So as the Cubs hit in the trade deadline, here are their options. They, they could go be buyers. I've never expected them to be big buyers this season because this is not a team that's ready to go deep in the playoffs and really have expectations of a World Series. So they're not going to sell off the farm for a couple big guys. I suppose unless Shohei Otani becomes available, and it's wild because I've talked a lot this season about how Shohei Otani is, I don't think, going to get traded. I still don't think he's going to be traded, but the Angels have now lost seven of their last ten. They're on a three-game losing streak. Mike Trout is out. He had surgery to repair a fracture of his handmade bone in his left hand, so he's out four to eight weeks. And they're just not going the right direction again. I mean, I don't know what it is with the Angels, but they just cannot seem to put a playoff team together with Mike with Mike Trout, let alone with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And I was listening to the Effectively Wild podcast today, and they were talking about their most improved players. Or not most improved, but the players who were beating their projections by the most from preseason. And third on the list, despite being the you know highest projected war in baseball, when you factor in his hitting and his pitching, Shohei Otani is even outperforming those expectations, and the Angels are still just 44 and 45. Six and a half out of first in the West, and... Three and a half games out of the wild card. Now, I think they're close enough. I don't think they're going to keep Shohei Otani, but I think they are committed this year to doing anything possible to get those guys in the playoffs. So I don't think Shohei is going to be available. If he becomes available, 
you know, I had a whole episode on this last year, you know, the, the case for Shohei Otani. And I would still make that trade regardless of where the Cubs are. But the reality is they head to this deadline. The primary approaches they're going to probably take are either like a soft buy, and they could even start that now. They could go make a deal right now for an infielder. If they're afraid Dansby's going to be out for a long time, they could deal for a middle infielder. They could deal for a third baseman. They could deal for a first baseman. Um, get some relief arms. And then if things don't go great in the next 20 games, you know, the next 10, 15 games, you're a little further out of first, or you just take the knock another 10, 15 games off the schedule without making up any ground, then you can take those guys you traded for and trade them again to another team. It's happened before. Um, the Cubs can also take a mixed approach. You know, they don't have to just sell or they don't have to just buy. They could still go look for a third base option. They could still go look for an answer at first base. They could still go look for bullpen help. But I think the biggest key for me and I don't know what they're thinking. Obviously, I'm not in those meetings. But the biggest key for me would be to continue focusing on next year. You know, the, the slogan this year has been, next starts here. If the Cubs take the approach where it's a complete sell-off, where they trade away Marcus Stroman and they trade away Cody Bellinger and they trade away Kyle Hendricks and Drew Smiley and Mark Leiter Jr. and Julian Merriweather and Jan Gomes and just like anything that would get a prospect return at all gets dealt. Next didn't start here. Next starts next year or some vague point after that. Because they have to, you, you've already, I've talked about this before, but they've set up their, certainly a short-term window. And I know what Jed and Carter have talked about doing is kind of having a rolling window. They don't want to have a situation where you've got your core of six guys who all came in together and they're all hitting free agency or the end of their career all at the same time where you're just going to have to, again, tear it back down to the base and go. They want to be signing free agents every year. They want to be bringing kids up every year so that as players hit free agency, as players hit the end of a contract, as players hit the end of their career, there's somebody new coming up to replace them. And it's not necessarily always going to be position by position. Like you're not necessarily going to have as soon as Dansby's gone, the next heir apparent shortstop. Ideally, you would, but it's not always going to be one for one. But maybe they then go sign another shortstop or trade for another shortstop because they've got another kid coming up who's going to fill in at catcher, who's going to take over in left field. And so what the Cubs need to be doing right now is focusing on next year. And that's why I continue to beat the drum for not wanting to do a complete sell-off. If they sell this thing back to the studs again, sell all the parts that could potentially move for prospects. All they've done is create, set up a situation where they then, then have seven holes they have to fill next offseason. And you're not going to be able to do that in one offseason. Next year's free agent class, there are some really good gets out there. Obviously, Shohei Otani is one I've talked about a ton. Um, there are other good free agent targets out there, but you're just not going to go get seven, eight guys. And you're not, we've seen it. I mean, prospects are prospects until they're not. And I'm still very optimistic about this Cubs farm system, but we saw Matt Mervis come up and struggle. We saw Miles Mastroboni crush the ball in the minor leagues all the way through the Tampa system, come to Chicago, struggle, go down to Iowa and mash, come up and struggle again. Jared Young was killing the ball in Iowa when he came up and got off to a little bit of a quick start, but pitchers, as I talked about with the Reds, pitchers find holes. They found those holes in Jared Young's swing, and right now he looks completely lost. So... 
just because the Cubs have that system, it doesn't mean five rookies are going to step up next year and the Cubs are going to win. So when you look across, let's start with the starting rotation. You know, Kyle, Kyle Stroman, Marcus Stroman would be the biggest return the Cubs would get would be trading Marcus Stroman. But Marcus Stroman is still theoretically under contract for next year. He's got a player option, so he can opt out of the deal. He's set to make $21 million next year, and he's expressed an interest in staying with the ball club. Now, the Cubs have... I've seen a lot of reports that the Cubs don't have any expectations of making him an extension offer before the trade deadline. Every time I see that, I see a ton of comments on Twitter or wherever that, you know, kind of freaking out, why don't the Cubs want to keep Marcus Stroman? I think they do want to keep Marcus Stroman. We're, we're talking about timing. There's nothing magic about the August 1st trade deadline except for the fact that at that point they can no longer trade him. So he's either gone or he's still a Cub. After that would be when the Cubs would start working on an extension. Um, they would have, <clears throat> excuse me, um, exclusive rights to negotiate with him, obviously up to until the point where he opts out of his contract and declares free agency. And then depending on when exactly that happens, um, the first five days after the World Series is over, free agents can only negotiate with their prior teams. So that's where you see like Edwin Diaz last year signed basically as soon as free agency started because he'd never hit the open market. He never got a chance to, I mean, not they didn't get a chance. He chose not to go on the market because he signed that deal with the Mets. The Cubs also have Kyle Hendricks. He's back this year and pitching honestly better than I, probably better than my best case scenario I had in my head. He's been sharp. His pitches have movement. He's located well. Um, he's continued to compete on the mound. And the Cubs have him on a $16 million team option next year. At this point, if he keeps pitching like this, I think it's actually likely that the Cubs, or if they trade him, whoever has him, would pick up that $16 million option because the way he's pitching right now, you're not going to get that in free agency for $16 million. Now, it's also possible maybe the Cubs and Hendricks could work something out where maybe they don't pick up the option, he gets the buyout, and they come up to something lower. But the Cubs are still going to wind up paying something close to $16 million if they keep him. So my guess would be they pick up the option. And then Drew Smiley, um, you know, the, he has an opt-out after this year because he's going to pitch 100 innings. And he would, he would make $9.5 million next year. And he's a guy, he's got a good track record. He's had a good run as a starter, but he's been knocked around lately. He's had a bunch of injuries the last few years, so I don't know how he would hit the market. Would he? We'd have to see how the rest of the season finishes out, but would he be able to sustain starting for a full season? He hasn't done that in a long time. He is effective out of the bullpen, so he can go there. Um, so that'll be interesting. He's a guy that the Cubs might trade. But if the Cubs, again, go to that full sell and you trade Stroman, Hendricks, and Smiley out of that rotation, you go into next year with... Justin Steele and Jamison Tyone and then hopes for a bunch of kids. I mean, Hayden Wisniewski has been up and down. Ben Brown looks promising, has not yet started in the major leagues. Caleb Killian has struggled at the big league level, but he seems to be pitching a little bit better and a little bit better at AAA. They've got Cade Horton is shooting up through the system fast. Jordan Wicks just made his debut at AAA. DJ Hers is back. There, there are options there. But we've, we've seen it. Like, There's no way they go into next year. They'll have to go get another free agent pitcher anyway. So you're getting at least one, probably two. So then 
you know, what's that rotation look like? And the Cubs already have question marks at first base and third base. I mean, Matt Mervis, we were all excited to see. He came up and struggled. Now back down at Iowa, he's hitting again. So I imagine he's going to get a shot here soon. I don't. I think the Jared Young experiment may be over after the All-Star break. Send him back down and get Mervis up. But there's still question marks at first base on defense and question marks with his bat. I thought he looked better before the Cubs sent him down the last time. He put together, I think, a string of good at-bats. He had a bunch of loud outs. Um, seemed like things were going in the right direction. But third base is a question mark. You know, Christopher Morrell, Nick Madrigal, both got in time there. Uh, Madrigal's been better than I could have expected at third base. I still don't think that's long-term his position, but now he's injured again. And really, over the last three seasons... That's what he's done. He's had a lot of leg injuries. He was injured when the Cubs traded for him in 2021. He missed huge chunks of time last year. You know, he's been pretty healthy this year. So hopefully this is just a minor hamstring issue that does 10 days on the IL and comes back. But he's actually been playing as the Nick Madrigal hitter that I think the Cubs were hoping to get. He's continued to make a lot of contact. He's hit for a high average since he came back up. And he's actually started hitting some line drives. He's put some balls over outfielders' heads. He got a home run. Because now I think he has two barrels as a Cub, which he didn't have any until the Cubs went to London, I think. Um, So he's a guy the Cubs would want to get back. And he's frankly, he's also a guy who it might actually make sense to trade. You know, if he's back and he's healthy and he's hitting, the Cubs don't really have a spot at second base. You know, when everybody's healthy, Dansby Swanson's at shortstop and Nico Horner's at second base. And that's pretty much every day. Nico and Dansby might each get injured for a couple games here and there. You give them occasional days off, but Nick Madrigal can't be a second baseman on this team. So maybe the Cubs could trade him and get somebody who plugs in more naturally at third base. You know, a lot of options, but again, if he's hurt, then he may not be available to trade. And first base, we talked about it, Mervis, Young, Trey Mancini's been bad, Eric Hosmer's gone, Patrick Wisdom can play there, but Patrick Wisdom still looks lost. I mean, he has not looked good at all since he came back from the injured list. He's starting today, so hopefully you know, he'll get, get himself going. At some point, he's still, he does have a major league bat, but he strikes out way too much. He's got holes in the swing. Um, I don't know. I was hoping maybe that it was, you know, a wrist injury that had sapped his bat speed and that, you know, some time on the IL and a rehab stint would kind of come back and let him get that. But he, he just does not look competitive at the plate right now. And it comes up major questions. So as you head into next year and you look at what to do with the deadline, you know, you have to figure out first base, you know, you have to figure out third base, you know, you're going to have, Right now, they don't have a ton of questions on the starting rotation. Jamison Tyone is kind of a question mark. He's been bad, but I still think, even though he's been bad, he's been a little bit better lately. He's mostly, he's getting you five innings. He's not being that innings eater that he has been his whole career. But I do think over the course of the four years of his contract, he's going to get back to doing what he's has always done. But right now, things are sort of just completely off the rails. If you trade Gomes... Um, that opens a spot at catcher. Now they could cover it with Amaya and Barnhart. And I do expect that as long as he stays healthy, Miguel Amaya is going to be the Cubs number one catcher 
maybe later this season, but certainly next year. And the bullpen, you know, the Cubs have Mark Leiter Jr., Julian Merriweather as guys in the bullpen who have done well this season and are potentially trade bait. Um, I would not be at all opposed to dealing those guys, but one thing to keep in mind is those guys both have um, arbitration years coming up, so they have team control left. So it's not like they're signed to a one-year deal and they're out. Um, So again, if you're going to trade for them and you get good return, that's great. The Cubs do have some young arms coming up through the bullpen that uh, could certainly make a difference. But again, that's more holes to fill next year. So what I would really like to see the Cubs do is be aggressive. Look for those guys who are on maybe small market teams who are a year or two away from free agency um, young players who maybe they're in a, in a, on a team that has maybe a surplus of maybe it's a third baseman and who's, who's blocked by a, another major league player. Maybe the Cubs have a major league piece that they could trade to that team to help that team compete, you know, for the postseason this year. And the Cubs could get that player that's blocked. So I want to see some of those soft ads. I want to see the Cubs be adding and I don't necessarily at this point, I've been pretty optimistic um, about the Cubs being able to get in the race, but the clock's ticking. It's, there's not a whole lot left. Um, if the Cubs don't make a move in the next you know 20 games to really get themselves closer, then I don't know. Um, I don't know that there's time. But the Cubs should be able to make some additions, or I think the Cubs should look to make some additions that could help them this year. And maybe they do catch lightning in a bottle um, at some point later this year, go on a run, get back in the race. But look for options that you can add that will help next year too. Go get a third baseman, like maybe a, a Jamer Candelario. He's going to be a free agent, but he started with the Cubs. If the Cubs go get him, plug him in at third base, it helps stabilize the position for the rest of this year. And then maybe he's a guy you sign. Um, they could always go big. They, you know, they could go for Shohei Otani or they could trade for Matt Chapman, but Adding those, either of those guys would give you that negotiating exclusivity before they hit free agency, but both guys are going to basically be double cost. They're going to cost you a ton to get in terms of the trade, and then they're going to cost you a lot of money to keep. Um, Not necessarily opposed if that's the direction the Cubs go, but um, I don't know that that necessarily makes sense. You know, if the last few weeks had gone differently, if the Cubs had gotten that last game in... London, if the Cubs had come back and played better when they came back from London and not been swept by the Phillies, if the Cubs could have gotten, you know, three out of four or a sweep in Milwaukee, if the Cubs hadn't pissed away opportunities in DC and in Miami earlier this year, all of a sudden it'd be a very different thing. Maybe the Cubs would be about 500 looking at a second half schedule. That's a lot weaker than what they've played in the first half. They'd be, you know, three to five games out of first place, really competing then maybe you would be looking to add bigger pieces. But the biggest thing I think, and the biggest thing I feel strongly about is not tearing this thing down. If the Cubs go do trade those four, five, six guys and do basically a complete sell-off like 2021, sure, they're they're still going to have Hap, they're still going to have Suzuki, they'll still have Dansby, they'll still have Nico, still have Justin Steele. And so they'll be in a better position than they were at the end of 2021. But what are you selling to the fans? You know, you're telling them that we're going to aim to thread a needle. And as soon as we miss, we're going to rip it all apart. And then we're going to try to 
aim to thread the needle again. Like at some point you have to go for something. And that's my, that's probably my biggest frustration with, um, Jed so far. He, you know, Theo probably had a little too much of that. Let's go for it. And I think at times it was a good pairing to have Jed probably talking Theo off the ledge on a couple deals, but everything is trying to be too perfect. Everything is trying to be just exactly the right deal. And I think the Cubs right now are a good example of perfect being the enemy of good. You know, they had a chance to add a little bit more talent. They could have taken a little extra risk on somebody. And I will say, I mean, a lot of the free agents from last year have struggled. Like the Cubs are going to face Carlos Rodon tonight. He was one a lot of people wanted the Cubs to get. Well, he's, he's making his first start. We're almost at the all-star break. Um, a lot of the first basemen that were out as free agents, you know, Jose Abreu has had a terrible year, not hitting. Um, so many of these guys, you know, the, a lot of the other shortstops that everybody saw as being better than Dansby, maybe still will be. But right now of the f- big four on the free agent market, Dansby Swanson's having easily the best year. So free agency is always a crapshoot, which is why I think it may be better sometimes to work with what you have. You know, I've not been one to advocate a lot for extending Ballinger because originally I was looking at him primarily as a center fielder because I was expecting Matt Mervis to come in and take first base. That hasn't really panned out. But now he doesn't have to just be a center fielder to block PCA. You know, you could sign him. Heck, you know, he has a mutual option for next year for $12 million. Right now, between he quick start, then he really struggled for a while, got injured, missed some time. He's hot right now, so we'll see if it continues. But if he doesn't have the year he quite thought he was going to have, maybe there's a scenario where he doesn't take the opt-out. Maybe there's a, year, a scenario where he plays. He thinks, hey, I can I can stay healthy next year. I can get those numbers where they need to be when I hit free agency. And then the Cubs have him for $12 million next year, and they can that'd be $17.5 million against the luxury tax threshold. But you know, $12 million for Bellinger and for him to have another prove-it year. That's entirely possible. Or they could sign him maybe even to a little bit shorter deal, give him another crack at free agency if he has a good, you know, two, three years in Chicago. Same with Stroman. You know, they have a choice to keep him. Um, I probably would. I would would certainly keep Stroman. I've advocated for that. My opinion hasn't changed. I know he struggled his last three starts. And he's probably not that guy who's leading the league in ERA. But Marcus Stroman, as a number two, number three starter who's putting up a you know a three, three and a half ERA, which he's done for much of his career. That guy's going to age pretty well, I think. You know, he's not relying on velo, so I don't expect, you know, big velocity loss. He's a guy who locates well. He's going to continue to have a good defense behind him. There are a lot of reasons to think Stroman is better in Chicago than he would be in a lot of other places. And so I would look at those guys, you know, Kyle Hendricks, you know, the, the Cubs have had Kyle Hendricks for a long time and some of whether or not he's traded may even come into play with whether he's a guy who really wants to have a shot at another ring. You know, maybe the Cubs would be doing him a solid by trading him to San Francisco or somewhere else that needs another starting pitcher where he can go compete in the playoffs. I'd hate to see it. I'd love to see Hendricks finish as a Cub, but you know, if they go into sell mode, maybe Hendricks and Smiley are two guys they do trade. I think they do have some young arms to come in and fill. Would love to see the Cubs get hot, um, do well in this series. You know, coming out of the break, they've got, um, you know, it's not too bad of a schedule. 
they open up with Boston and then they've got a series with the Cardinals or sorry, a series with the Nationals before they play the Cardinals. Then they've got the White Sox and the Cardinals again before playing the Reds on uh, July 31st on the trade deadline day. So that's a pretty manageable stretch, but you know, the Cubs have had manageable stretches before where they've not made the noise they needed to make. So we'll see how it goes. But it's it's a very frustrating time right now. And we all just want the Cubs to play good baseball. Play good baseball. I'm not super invested in who is specifically playing the positions. I have my favorites. I just want the Cubs to win. If the Cubs win with Trey Mancini, awesome. If the Cubs win with PCA, awesome. Just find ways to win baseball games. And that means putting together a better roster. You know, again, when the Cubs sent Miles Mastroboni down, which made perfect sense because he wasn't hitting, the Cubs put themselves short on middle infielders. And so, you know, if Nico's out for a day or Dansby's out for a day, then you've got maybe Morrell or Madrigal playing second base. You don't have a lot third base. The Cubs are just short. When they lost the D, I talked about last week when they lost the DH in that game. It was because, actually I didn't talk about it because it was since my last podcast, but in the game against Milwaukee when Nick Madrigal left the game, they didn't have Patrick Wisdom activated yet, and they didn't really have a clear third base option. There were other things they could have done. They could have put Jared Young at third base. They could have put Ian Happ at third base. They could have done a couple of other things, but what they chose to do was to put Christopher Morrell at third base, which took him out of the designated hitter slot, and that lost the Cubs the DH for the game. It was a kind of an odd choice. That happens sometimes anyway, and it's not exactly you know unforgivable, but one thing with the timing of it was they did it when they brought Michael, Michael Fulmer into a game where the Cubs wanted Michael Fulmer to throw more than one inning. So Michael Fulmer had to bat the next inning. You know, they they could have done other things. Even putting Morrell at third base, they could have done a double switch. They could have put Fulmer in another spot, brought somebody else in to play the outfield, whatever. But they didn't do that. And it's just this roster construction. It's been weird from the start. You know, they, they break camp with two outfielders. We just start three every day. And clearly the whole wisdom, Mancini, Mastroboni thing in right field while say it was out didn't work. And then they've had situations where they're thin at the middle infield because they're carrying three third basemen and three catchers. You know, any one of those things are fine. It's fine to carry three catchers. Teams do it. Cubs have done it before. But you have to be able to have the flexibility you need in your roster. And right now, Nico Horner gets hurt in game tonight. Christopher Morell's your shortstop, and that's about it. I'm not sure who's playing second base at that point. You might be pulling Happ in from left field. They've got to figure something out. I mean, they do not have good infield depth. Maybe you're putting Jared Young at second base. I mean, it's it's kind of wild. But the Cubs have got to look at this roster construction. I know they're trying to get reads on guys, but at some point, you know, last year I was fine. Last year they had some weird rosters too, but last year they were out of it by May and they were trying to see which guys on the roster were dudes, you know, is, you know, they, they got good answers on a lot of those guys and a lot of them are not with the team anymore, but the Cubs were supposed to be past the point of evaluating talent and they were supposed to be to the point where they could try to win. And that's not what we see. It's not what we see every day. They're close. They battle. The floor has definitely been raised and they are a competitive team and and they're, they're a maddening team because they should be better than they've been. 
But the Cubs have to go into this deadline with next year in mind. But not in a situation where I'm talking about selling. I don't want to see Marcus Stroman go for four teenagers. I don't want to see the Cubs unload five, six guys and get a bunch of Bryce balls. I talked about that last week, and it's it's interesting how it turned out, but I talked about not knowing what Cody Bellinger's value is at the deadline. And, and we already see now that um, Aroldis Chapman's been traded to Texas, and the return for him was not as high as I thought it would be. So I don't know if this is going to be a strong trade market anyway. And I don't – I said last week I didn't want to – I actually said last week I didn't want to trade Cody Bellinger – for a Bryce Ball equivalent. And this week the Cubs released Bryce Ball. I mean, it's fine. It happens. Not a, Most prospects don't pan out. But we go into the deadline and, and we see trades for an A-ball bat, a double-A bat, uh, you know, a high-A reliever, stuff like that. You know, Cubs got Saul Gonzalez last year from the Mets for Michael Givens. You know, you know we're not going to see him. So at some point you're getting minor league depth and that's great. And sometimes a guy's going to pop and you don't really know who the guy's going to pop. So you're taking lottery tickets basically. But the Cubs are in a position where they're probably not competing anymore this year, but it is still on the table. I would rather see if Cody Bellinger can get hot, see if Stroman can keep it up, see if the Cubs can get those guys locked into a deal. You want to deal Michael Fulmer because he's been good lately and you know you can move on from him, fine. You want to trade even lighter and Merriweather. Um, I'm intrigued by them because they've looked good, but I don't know. Is, is lighter now? He didn't pitch well this week. Is that because he's been used a ton and he just needs a break? Or, you know, is he kind of regressing to his career mean? I don't know. You know, Julian Merriweather has been really, really good. And if the Cubs keep him with that velo and, and the movement on that, those pitches, you know, he looks he looks strong. And the Cubs do have arms coming up. You know, Daniel Palencia looked really good. He got a, I mean, welcome to the bigs, kid. He goes into the extra innings against the Brewers, throws two scoreless on 12 pitches with nine strikes. And while there were some, he definitely got some defensive help with, you know, Hap throwing out two guys, which is kind of wild in and of itself. He looked good. He looked composed up there. His stuff was there, threw hard, came in again the next day. Um, should have been a clean inning. You know, he, there was a strike three that was not called, so um, wound up being a walk. But you know, he looks good. There are Bailey Horn looks great, and Bailey Horn, another trade deadline piece. Cubs got him for Ryan Tapera in twenty twenty one. He's a lefty. You know, the the Cubs have arms coming up, so I'm not super super concerned about the bullpen. I would like to see the Cubs kind of soft add, maybe pick up a, a guy or two for you know fairly cheap price. But the Cubs need to look at this deadline in terms of next year. And if next really did start on opening day 2023, then they've got to figure out how to turn the 2023 roster into a team that competes in 2024. And you're not going to do that by trading off six pieces and creating, you know, five more holes on the roster. Because we saw this year, you just can't fill that many spots in an offseason. So we'll see. Hopefully the uh, Cubs can flip some business in New York tonight and finally get that first win in, in the Bronx, get that win in Yankee stadium, get Tyone off the, off the hook a little bit. Um, I'll be watching. Thank you for joining me today. If you like this episode, please drop a rating and a review wherever it is you get your podcasts and share an episode with a friend. 
Just a few seconds from you gives me great feedback and helps other Cub fans find the show. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and threads, all at CubsPSPlus. And check out the Patreon page, CubsPSPlus.Patreon.com to help support the show and keep it ad-free. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!